Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about Parshat Vayera and second Parsha of the book of Exodus. The second of the second. The second of the second. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's going to be 2022. Wow, I just got very excited by all the twos happening here. This is very, that's very cool. I'm also very excited. Yeah, Rosh is not as excited, um, but we are very excited to be masked again in an office. It's been a whirlwind, like, but here we are. Like two, like Redux, like again. Oh, again, number two. Okay, so and um, we are going to <laughs> we are going to go over the beginning of the parsha. Um, I think Robert Shapiro is going to take us through it. Maybe. I'm not going through the whole beginning. No, we got to. No, gotta, just like the just the lead up uh, to where we are. Sorry, folks. I'm a little distracted. We just found out that the the Westminster Dog Show is being canceled. Which that's is, why you're distracted. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. sad. Okay. Those poor dogs. Those dogs didn't hurt anybody. That's true. Those and dogs, they don't have COVID. Those dogs have been working hard to get to this moment and just yeah ripped out of their paws. Yeah, sad. Very sad. All right. No treats. They'll probably get treats. Okay, if we can. Anyone go. is listening to this podcast who was going to have a dog in the Westminster Dog Show. We're so sorry. We're very sorry, and we hope you give your dog a lot of extra treats for the mm-hmm. trouble that he or she mm. is now experiencing. Yeah. I think that wraps it up. All right, and Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Farsha Bayer. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. all right. Okay. <clears throat> so we're picking up mid, mid plagues, mid plagues. Um, I think uh, people have seen the movies. We know how this is going. Celebrate Passover. Uh, you've heard of Passover. In all likelihood, how amazing would it be if somebody's listening to this who has never heard of Passover? Yeah, it's awesome. Please let us know. Please call we'll, us. And we'll, tell us. we'll give you some backfill on the story. There's a lot of context for this. Mm-hmm. Um, Long story short, there are some plagues happening really long uh, to try to get the Israelites uh, out. I think they're just Hebrews at this point. The Israelites to be oh. out of Egypt. No, no. Last week you were telling me you don't do grammar. This week you're correcting no, me. No, I'm just on, saying on... they're not. They're not yet a people. Oh, okay. Oh. okay. That's true. Okay. Um. We're a, we're a few plagues in, um, and we're going to pick things up on hail, the seventh plague. Um, so I'm just going to sort of take us into the. Uh, do, do we need more context? Then hail is going to be a plague that's happening. That's no, because we're talking context. about hail. Yeah, that's okay. Talking about hail. All right. Um, so picking up in the middle of chapter nine. So the previous plague was boils, definitely one of the most physically uncomfortable of the plagues. I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, dealing with some frogs versus having boiled all over, uh, it's Kermit it up. I know which one I'd take. Okay. Uh, Because you like the Muppets. I do like, I love the Muppets, but I, uh, Muppets, 
Notwithstanding. Okay. I would st- wouldn't you prefer frogs to boils? I don't, I really, uh, maybe, oh yeah, probably. Maybe before Passover we can do like a ranking. No. Uh, oh, a which, ranking? Yeah. Oh, I thought <laughs> what did you say like an experience, <laughs> experiment <laughs> of which, <laughs> which like, <laughs> I do not want to play with frogs. Yeah, we can do a ranking. Like, like, like fear factor. Yeah. Method. No, bad. Fear. I would hate that. Okay. So we're at chapter nine. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 19. Well, I was going to give a little bit. Oh, oh, great, great. Okay. All right. Verse 13. God says to Moses, early in the morning, present yourself to Pharaoh, say to him, uh, thus says Lord God of the Hebrews, like I was saying. (laughs) uh, Let my people go. Let my people go. To worship me, I'll send my plagues upon you, etc., etc., I could have um, stretched my hand out and stricken you and, and from the earth. It's interesting. Nevertheless, I have spared you for this purpose in order to show you my power and in order that my fame may resound throughout the world. I was talking about this a little bit with, with Rabbi Schatz before. There's definitely some tough theological yeah. pieces to this, which we are not going to get into on this rainy Wednesday afternoon. Super rainy. Um, right, right. One challenging piece, the idea of Pharaoh's heart being hardened and God hardening Pharaoh's heart and, and that element always feels challenging to wade through. And also sort of adjacent to that, this idea that the plagues need to happen so that God can show God's might. Yeah. Which also feels <clears throat> challenging. We're going to just let that go and move forward. Right. Into a different, I mean, unless Rabbi Schatz, there's anything you'd like to. No, I think it's difficult. I mean, I think it, it makes for it. It makes for a question of why the plagues needed to even happen. Yep. And that's a hard question to have to answer. And we'll leave it at that. And we'll leave it at that. Um. <clears throat> so, ba ba ba. Yet you continue to thwart my people and do not let them go. And here, verse 18. This time tomorrow, I will rain down a very heavy hail, not any hail, a very heavy hail. Uh, like there has not been in Egypt from the day it was founded upon till now. Quite, quite, quite the comment, given that we literally got a rainstorm warning earlier today here in Los Angeles. Oh, we did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't it's know. Gonna that. rain a lot. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you're you're listening to this on the back end of the storm, <laughs> yeah. so you now know Hope how bad okay. the storm was. <laughs> Hope everyone is okay, oh, God. including us. Uh huh. Including my window. Including including everyone's windows, really. Yeah. Okay, but here we are, <laughs> chapter nine. Nice. We're going to be diving into verses nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one. Uh, here we go. Ve'ata shlach ha'ez et miknecha. So, in ne- so therefore, now, um, go, send, s- right, send, order your livestock and everything that you have out in the field. Every person and every animal that you have out in the field. Um, that, that has not yet been gathered indoors. Um, oh, here, so, sorry. The lo yasef habaita, the yared alehem habarad vametu. Basically, anything that, that you don't bring inside, when the hail falls upon it, it, it will die. Yeah? 
Hayaret et var Adonai. Right, which, by the way, we don't often talk about the hail as being Deadly? something that killed. Yeah. Yeah. We just talk about it as being kind of an inconvenience, and then marshmallows get thrown. But I. We did ping pong balls. Oh, we also do ping pong balls sometimes, but I feel like more people do marshmallows. Anyway. Really? Yeah, because then the kids could eat them. But I do think ping that. Ping pong balls are fun. Yeah, you, the Shapiro's would say that. <laughs> um, but I. But it is interesting that this, it's very clear that it's going to be such hard hail that it could kill you. Yeah, not to mention also the piece that traditionally there's the fire inside the hail. Right, right, bad right. News, bad news yeah, it's hail. not great hail. Yeah. No, if you're going to deal with hail, this is not the hail you'd want to mess with. Right, right. Um, <laughs> glad we got to that. Uh, <laughs> verse 20, Hayaret et Tvar Adonai. Of day paro. So, so this is really what what kind of piqued my interest in these verses. So the people from amongst Pharaoh's servants, slaves, courtiers, who feared God, hinis et avadav et miknehu el habatim. So those people or that person brought their slaves and their, their livestock into the house, into their homes. Bashir Losam Libo El those who did not pay attention to God's word, et and those who did not listen, they sort of left their servants, their slaves, and their livestock um, out in the field, presumably to die. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll I'll say just sort of what, what caught my eye and what I think is interesting about this. And Rabbi Schatz can ask her manifold kushiyot on these verses. Um, I just I had never noticed this little tidbit before. I just think it's interesting this idea that there were those um, within Egypt at at this point, right? We don't necessarily know when this happened or how this happened, but but there are those in Egypt who can be considered to be. God-fearing in in some capacity, um, aware of God, paying attention to God's word, who when, who when they somehow hear, although it's not entirely clear how they hear, I guess they're Pharaoh's servants, so maybe they're like they're there um, when Moses is passing the word along. Although we're just told that this is God saying this to Moses, unclear how they get word of this. Um, well, they live in the. I, I think I think that these are the people who live in the homes that are not the Hebrews, or like, right? Because it says in the in verse nineteen, um, and the way that you first translated it was that these wouldn't be the people that you would uh, like initially have gathered. But now, to your point before the podcast started, of they were given word and just didn't do anything about it. Potentially, those are the those are the Egyptians. Well, it's definitely the Egyptians. I'm going back and seeing, like, in verse 3, God said to Moses, you go to Pharaoh and say. So I'm wondering, uh-huh. like, are these, the, like, Mo- so then presumably Moses goes to Pharaoh and says this. So then, yeah. like, it's the other folks who are in Pharaoh's court uh-huh. who are hearing Moses say this to Pharaoh. And some of them... Uh-huh. At this point, haven't seen everything that's the, the pre, they've seen the previous six. Right, they've kind right. of seen what has gone down. Right. So some of them are now saying, uh oh, mm-hmm. better go bring the slaves and animals inside. And mm-hmm. some of them are sort of tiptoeing through the tulips, uh-huh. right? That there's mm-hmm. like these two categories. Mm-hmm. So, so like writ large, I just think that that's interesting. Yeah. I've never noticed these verses before. I think it's interesting that at this point, 60% of the way through, um, you know, 
we're at this at this moment where there are some people who are kind of getting the message. Yeah. We don't know, right? We don't know is this one and ninety nine? Is this fifty mm-hmm. fifty? Right? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't we don't get a sense of the proportions, but yeah. there there are definitely some folks who are who are getting the memo on this at least at this point. Mm-hmm. And then sort of tilting that into the realm of um, how we might think about this for ourselves. I I think it's an interesting question, you know, what what are we paying attention to? What are we noticing? What are we not noticing, right? When there are things kind of right in front of our faces that are calling us to pay attention mm-hmm. um, to it and take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, he said wearing a mask to the other human he's not wearing a mask uh, in front of him, right? But <laughs> even in non-pandemic ways, right, what are the things happening right in front of our face that we might otherwise not notice? Um, what do we need to be paying attention to mm-hmm. that that's hard for us to pay attention to? Right? So that's that's kind of what it brings to mind for me. What do you think, Rabbi Schatz? Well, so my biggest thing was actually around their share lo sam libo. Yep. Um, that those who did not literally place on their heart, like take, pay attention or have the intention or... Um, uh, take to heart, some would say in colloquial English, that that they were kind of just left out to die. And that that, on the one hand, if we go with the theological piece of things, did they not believe that God was going to do this? Right. Or did, were they not paying attention? Or were they not able to be in the know, right? That they, they actually weren't able to have an understanding of what was going to happen. Um and the worst part about this is it doesn't say, well, then they died, but that their cattle or livestock, I should say, and their slaves were the ones who mm. were affected. The, right? con- so the, the consequences aren't for them. The consequences yeah. are for those who sort of serve them. Exactly. This is a terrible example in that it doesn't it doesn't exactly work, but you'll see where I'm going with it, which is when the four of us were growing up, if one of us did something that my parents didn't want us to be doing... And there was a treat associated with, you know, whether we were in the car on the way to get ice cream or whatever. That, I'm sure, was also fun for them. And they would turn the car around and go home to punish us. But they... Did that work as a form of discipline? Uh, I mean, we were disappointed. I'm sure you were. Oh, I, am, I am also disappointed for you. Oh, thank you. That you didn't get that. I actually ice can't cream. think of one time that that that, that happened. Tracy but... and Dale, you owe Rabbi Schatz some ice cream. Yeah, they don't call me Rabbi Schatz, but I, we can talk about that another time. But, That'd be weird. Yeah, no, but uh, but um, no, but I guess. But the but the but, point that no, I'm but I'm asking you, like, did that work as a modality of discipline? Like, did it make it more likely that you guys would behave the way they wanted you to behave? moving forward. I think it made us recognize that our that our behaviors affected each other and also our parents. Uh-huh. Like they also had to turn the car around. It wasn't like they were going to say, "Okay, well, we'll drop you at home and then we're going to go back out and have a fun time." I got I got to tell you it, yeah. one of one of the moments when it's like, "Oh my god, I'm turning into my parent." Was I heard myself a little while ago saying, "I will turn, turn this, this car, car around." Yeah. Jeez. Uh-huh. What? Man. Yeah. So, uh, but but again, it's it's a bad example in that it doesn't work w- exactly with what's happening because here, you didn't except leave your for slaves and animals out in the, out in the <laughs> Correct. But it is. It does. Dale show that, would never. <laughs> it does show that that if if the person in charge, so to speak, or the person running the household, 
potentially paid more attention or was more aware of what was going on, that the consequences wouldn't have fallen on those who don't know any better, animals and slaves, who in to our rabbis are exactly the same status. Well, who certainly don't have agency, right? I mean, right, exactly. And I think, exactly. you know, point, points also to... We're, we're, we're now continuing to not talk about something that we are, quote-unquote, not talking about, it points to the problem of, like, I'm going to show my might to the Egyptians oh, by totally. causing damage to people who and beings who don't yeah. have any agency right, right. in hopes that this will kind of turn your mind around. Right. Not, not great. Right. Also, we know that the, that the plagues were only for the Egyptians, and yet, and this just dawned on me, this, this particular setting actually makes it seem as though the Hebrews unless I'm missing something, the Hebrews had kind of authority over whether or not the Egyptians in their midst were affected by this plague. If the, if they, if they didn't put, if they didn't, um, if they didn't understand what was going on. I also now don't understand what's going on. <laughs> if they didn't somlibo, right. If they, if they didn't, uh, right. put their hearts to the matter, then their slaves and their livestock would be affected by the hail. Do you think that the Egyptians had slaves and livestock? Or are we talking about the Hebrews who had, who, do you see what I'm saying? Nope. What, I'm, I'm wondering, was this, are we, are we referring to mixed households or are we referring to just Egyptian households? I thought you were going to say something exactly the opposite, which I thought oh. would make sense, but you're saying... Well, oh, well, you please, have it make sense. Here's a question that I thought you were asking. Great, awesome. Which is, if we're going to say that the plague should only affect the Egyptians, yeah. but we're seeing that the Egyptians can go inside, but it's their servants who are outside... Right. Oh, then they're not going to get affected. Aren't their servants... Hebrews. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Well, so fine. That, I mean, that, now, that now is a more I think, logical. Now I think question. you can. Now I think you can say, well, they probably had you know different types of slaves. But yeah, I yeah. Think it's, yeah. I think I think, think it's still good. Your question. Okay, great. Is that what you were saying? I was saying the opposite, but it's still the same question of like, we're not just talking about Egyptian households. We are talking about a household that could potentially have an Egyptian and a Hebrew in it, and what then happened to that household. We get that later on in the Plague of Darkness, but it's just interesting to talk about here. Anyway, All right. go on. It has nothing to do with what we were going to talk about. So go Great. Ahead. Did you have anything you wanted to say? Um, no, go to your stuff because we don't have so much more time and then we'll see what I have to say on that. What if you have lots to say on it? Uh, I, will, I will make myself brief. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, I guess I'll... I'll Go with two things. One of which is um, the Mehashiloach. I mean, a, a few different folks talked about this, but there were people who I'll, I'll go with the Mehashiloach as the one who who asked about um, basically what's the difference between sort of being Yirat Shemaim, like having fear, we usually translate it as awe of heaven because yeah. we don't like thinking about being afraid of God, but it's usually translated reverence. as like, reverence, sure, having reverence for or fear of God versus just basically being afraid of being punished, right? Mm -hmm. So when this phrase in verse 20 is used, Hayaret at Devar Adonai, like who, 
what what does that mean, right? Yeah. What does it mean that these Egyptians are God fearing or have reverence for God, right? When categorically, at least in the rabbinic mind, things were pretty binary, right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot, not a lot of good guys amongst the Egyptians by and large. Um, the the Meshulach winds up in sort of an interesting place where he winds up talking about how like, um, like. <laughs> There can still be sort of good that people who, uh, like, go with Avodazara have, um, that, that you can, you can still have sort of some measure of, um, reverence for God if you're in that category. Mm-hmm. It's not as good mm-hmm. as if you were sort of fully in it, you know, fully having Right, the yurato hamitit that if you had like full yura, mm-hmm. but even if you had this sense of being sort of afraid of getting punished, that you you're still kind of getting the memo mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So mm-hmm. it's like it's it's better than nothing, right? Yeah. Which I think is an interesting, um, in an interesting uh, way of framing it. I also saw a comment that. I'm, I'm sort of lingering on this, on this first phrase in Hebrew in verse 20, Hayaret et Devar Adonai, because it's like being afraid of Devar Adonai, yeah. be it like having reverence for the word of God is different yeah. than having reverence for, for God. God. Or this particular plague as opposed to another plague. And that, it, and that yeah. it's sort of like, um, and Kamen Iso is talking about it as like a catch-all that like someone can believe in the Egyptian religion, but it's also right. sort of like being afraid or having reverence for this too, just to sort of like cover all your bases. Right, right. Um, it reminded me of Pascal's Wager, which Charlotte Schatz is going to learn about right now. <laughs> um, Pascal, the, I think he was 17th century mathematician who taught... That I knew. Great. Yeah. You did? I knew who he was. Oh, good. Yeah. So he <laughs> talked about how a rational person should believe in God. Uh-huh. Because if there is a God and you believe in God, you get eternal reward. Mm. If there isn't a God, but you believe in God, you don't lose that much. And if there is a God and you don't believe in God, you're in big, big trouble. Right. Mm. So so from like, which, which I don't love because it seems to be by like, as soon as you, you sort of like dip your toe in that water, it seems to be pretty utilitarian. Right. right? Right. Um, Rather than being, than encompassing some kind of moral or ethical or right. values-based system, it's right. all just very, um, it's, it's all basically the sake of sort of eternal self-preservation yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Um, and the flip side of that is, if it gets you to do the right thing, right? If it gets right. you to act in a way that is holier, more moral, more connected than you otherwise would, mm-hmm. good enough. Right. So so I think that that's an yeah. interesting piece to layer in here, too. Right. When when you choose to believe, when you choose to have reverence, when you find yourself in a place where you're going to say you identify as having fear or awe or reverence for God. Yeah. Like, do, does motivation matter? Right. Is it is right. And if, if, if you're just afraid of that, getting, is it the same thing? Right. If, you're just, if you're just doing the right thing because you're afraid of getting punished. Right. Right. Um, is that. Sufficient? What does right. sufficient mean? Like you did the right thing. Isn't that enough? Right? The yeah. end of Kevin Kavanaugh. Mm. Um you Balance. know, I think comes comes into play here. It is interesting. Well. You could you just read this same phrase over and over again, so it's stuck in my brain. 
as opposed to calling them Mitzrim, right? That, that it's like very specific to the fact that they are like workers of Pharaoh, right? That they yeah. are from Pharaoh's court, that they are like Ovde Kochavim in a different context would be idol worshippers, right? That they worship Pharaoh yeah. and yet they have a reverence for this particular act from God. That's also really interesting. Like right. if we do believe that the Torah has an economy of language, the fact that they weren't, it didn't just say like Hamitzrim, right? right? Like, right. and had a fear of God. It says that they are Me'avde Paro. Yeah. Um, that they should believe in him like they believe in God. And yet here yeah. we are. Yeah, it, I think also, you know, it, it reminds me of the idea that, you know, Eved, Eved Paro, yeah. Eved Hashem, right? Like you're, 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 you're always sort of serving something. So yeah. are you serving Pharaoh or are you serving yeah. God? So it's, yeah. it's interesting, like, Hayera Edvar Adonai Avde Paro. Right. Right. Like that, that phrase sort of pings particularly, like you're an Eved Paro, but now you're kind of tilting towards, God. um, being Yara, I don't know, yeah. or Yara Eddivar, I don't know. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Um, the other thing I noticed is we're just sort of seeing this phrase over and over again. Verses 20 and 21 are all in the singular, which is very interesting. Um, Rabbi Shatz and I both noticed this. Um, she saw it in Ibn Ezra. It goes back, it looks like, to the, the Yushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud, that there's a tradition that... The Yaret et Devar Adonai, <clears throat> it's in the singular, yeah. and that it specifically refers to Job. Would you drink a Coke if I gave you a Coke? I drink a Coke. I don't oh, drink Diet Coke. Oh, okay. um, because uh, the, the book of Job is not specifically historically placed in the Tanakh, or yeah. you don't know exactly when it is, and so there's a few different rabbinic traditions as to when it was and, right. and sort of where it happened. And Job is referred to as being, um, as having reverence for God, and here there's like a singular person who mm-hmm. has reverence for the word of God, so that mm-hmm. seems to kind of be the Midrashic move to say, oh, who might be a single person who could be found in Egypt who's God-fearing? Ah, it Job. must be Job! Let's find a place for him. Here well, we go. But, but we know this, right? That the rabbis yeah. don't like lingering loose ends, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in the Tanakh. So that's kind yeah. of a place for him. But then if, if it's, it's all phrased in the singular, verse 21 is phrased in the singular as well. Cause yeah. it's not, it's not Samu Libam. Yeah, it's yeah. Sam Libo. Oh, and it's, and it's, um, and it's not Vaya Azvu et Avdeham, it's Vaya et Avadav, right? So that it's, yeah. so that it's all, um, it's all in the singular. Yeah. So there, there's clear parallelism yeah. in 20 and 21, but it would, pre- <laughs> presumably, it's more than two people, right? right? And whereas we only hear about one and one. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't have a good reason for why it might be that each, each of those verses is in the singular, but, but it's, well, maybe it seems it was an individual act, right? It, this, the, though the plague was plural, so to speak, right? The plague was for everybody for whom it was supposed to affect the, like the one who is God fearing and the one who, yeah, and of, the person who like is paying attention, yeah. right? Can change the whole narrative can, for the people who, who they are, they're dealing with. 
I mean, just like we can talk about Temple Beth Am as an institution, but then when it comes to minutia of of rules or or um, you know, like even just like this new masking on the field outdoors, right? That that it was decided by a group of people, but ultimately there are really two people in the institution who kind of give their give their stamp of approval. Um, so between Rabbi Klingfeld and Stuart Tochner, which one is <laughs> which one is which, Rabbi Schatz? <laughs> What do you mean? In in verses twenty, which one is Yaret or Adonai, and which one is Losan Libo? I think I'll I'll plead the fifth on that one. Okay, great. Um, no, but I I mean it doesn't it obviously doesn't doesn't parallel exactly, but but just to say that you know behind every large institution or every large um, organization or whatever it is, that you know there has to be a person who an individual who's who's helping make change. And within our own lives, that's also the case, right? Like you, you work in a family system, but if, if someone has a decision to make, it's, it's clear as to who that's going to be. So maybe that's why it's in the singular. It's, uh, I would go in exactly the opposite direction. We're just, we're just, we're, we're just sort of zigging, 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 zagging today. Zigging and zagging today. That was not a very good. Thing. There is, there is, shout out, shout out to Rabbi Ari Lucas. Oh, uh, we're in his office. We are in his office. Mm-hmm. We're actually in your office. Well, let's talk about that another um, time. There is a sun. This is this is this is. You're very far from the microphone. This is a something that's been on the wall since he was here. Rabbi Shapiro is pointing to something that's on the wall that's been here since Rabbi Lucas was here. Uh-huh. And it says. And it says. Mm-hmm. It all depends on me. Yep. From uh, Talmud Abodah, I don't know. Don't know. I'm sorry, Robert Lucas. I don't know the con- context for the quote off the top of my head. I was thinking, Dufkin, not in terms of leadership, but that ultimately maybe what we can draw out from the fact that this is in the singular <clears throat> is that it's ultimately an individual decision, right? The idea oh, that yeah. everything is in the oh, this is a good connection. Everything is in the hands of heaven, except yeah. the fear of heaven. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. We, there's, there's so much that is out of our control. Again, they said with masks back on in an office. Um, <laughs> ultimately, all that's really in our control is how we choose to interpret and understand the world around us. Mm-hmm. And if we have reverence, respect, um, for what's happening in the world, and that ultimately is very much an mm-hmm. individual decision. Yeah, true. Um, and the, individual decisions add up to something much larger than us. We we see that happening all the time in all sorts of um, empowering and challenging ways. Um, And so maybe, maybe uh, we can drash out the fact that this is written in the singular as recognizing, A, that the choice as to whether have reverence and respect um, is ultimately an individual one and can't be made for any single person mm-hmm. um, and also be recognizing the role of individual choice even in as grand and epic and narrative mm-hmm. as the exodus story um yeah, there is still yeah. the role of individual choice um, yeah. and, and that made a difference that, that can make a difference yeah. yeah oh beautiful nice job all right well shabbat shalom everyone wound up with a bow and didn't even know didn't it was gonna be it. a bow didn't even know it was gonna be a bow but here um, we go shabbat shalom shabbat shalom we will be with Ma. you back on zoom next week 
Um, so look forward to seeing many of you and learning together. Stay safe. Stay, Stay safe. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.